I want to tell you about the power of yet. I learned in a high school in Chicago where students had to pass 84 units to graduate. And if they didn't pass, they got the grade not yet. I thought, isn't that wonderful? Because if you fail, you're nowhere. But if you get the grade not yet, you're on a learning curve. Not yet gave them a path into the future. And not yet also helped me understand a critical experience early in my career. To figure out how kids coped with challenge, I gave 10-year-olds some problems that were a little too difficult for them. Some of them reacted in a shockingly positive way. They said things like, I love a challenge, or I was hoping this would be informative. <laughs> they understood that their abilities could grow through their hard work. They had what I call a growth mindset. But other children, for them it was tragic, catastrophic. From their more fixed mindset perspective, their core intelligence had been tested and devastated. Instead of the power of yet, they were gripped by the tyranny of now. So what did they do next? In one study, after a failure on a test, they said they'd cheat next time instead of study more. In another study, they found someone who did worse than they did so they could feel better. <laughs> and in many studies, we found they run from difficulty. What you just heard there was Carol Dweck and her TED Talk discussing the, the concept and the theory of developing a growth mindset by using the power of yet. Now, for those that may need a refresher here, the idea of growth mindset versus fixed mindset is essentially that when we are working with players or we're doing our own work, that if you have a growth mindset, there's an assumption that over the course of time, through effort and diligence, that you can grow your skill set, you can grow your knowledge, you can grow your abilities. That's a growth mindset. A fixed mindset refers to somebody that believes that Essentially, their ability, their intelligence, their talents, they're all just fixed traits that they're born with, that they, they may have them from birth as part of their genetic code that can be developed, but there's a ceiling there based on essentially what they have been born with. That's a fixed mindset. Now, in coaching, JP, this conversation that we've been having here reminds me of the start of my career at Linmar and just how important it is to be able to learn how to develop a growth mindset with your players. When the season began, we were gifted with one of the most difficult schedules in the state. We opened up on the road against four teams that were ranked in the top 10, and we lost by 25, 25, 45, and capped it off with a 50-point loss on the road to one of the top teams in the state. And I remember descending the stairs and going into the locker room after that fourth consecutive blowout loss and being concerned that there's a chance that we could lose our team and lose our season if we didn't find the right way to walk out of the locker room thinking the way that we needed to in order to continue to grow during the year. And so, you know, the challenge for me is how do I communicate 
that idea of a growth mindset to our players that have just gotten, you know, their brains bashed in over the last couple of games. And so my, my post-game speech was all about trying to embrace the idea that this is just the first chapter. Like, this is the beginning of our story. And yeah, there's a lot of obstacles in front of us. There's a lot of challenges that we're dealing with early on. But this is chapter one. We don't know where the story's going to go, but we know that the characters in our story, they're going to grow. We know that we're going to get better. We know that the things that we're doing eventually are going to, to pay dividends. But rather than walk out of there thinking, we're not very good, there's nothing we can do, the season is lost, maybe next year, we really wanted to try to encourage our players to embrace that concept of the growth mindset. And really coming back to what Dweck said at the beginning of the episode here, we wanted them to embrace the idea of we aren't where we want to be yet. This week on the podcast, we are joined by Jeremy Firth, who is a cricket coach and player in the UK and is also an educational psychologist who specializes on working with coaches to develop a growth mindset in their players. Welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast. I'm JP Nurbin alongside my co-host, Nate Sanderson. And every week in 30 minutes or less, we're giving you transformational leadership tools and strategies. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive on Challenge, which provides mentorship for coaches to help them grow as a coach and build their culture. You can learn more at thriveonchallenge.com. You're listening to episode 108, How to Develop a Growth Mindset in Our Players. So we all have heard and potentially used that cliche that we're going to play like we practice, but there's actually uh, something wrong with this approach at certain moments um, when it comes to developing a growth mindset. Now, our, our guest today, Jeremy Firth, who is one of the leading experts in growth mindset when it comes to sports. He writes a lot about understanding the importance of the environment we're trying to create. Are we trying to create a learning or a performance environment? So my first question for him was, what's the difference between a learning or a performance environment or zone? Essentially, a learning zone is when we're we're gearing up our environment and our, our coaching behavior to create uh, an atmosphere that, that promotes learning, really. So if you look at what children need to learn uh, or any uh, human being they need to feel safe so they, they can make mistakes they need to feel supported um, uh, they need to do a little bit of trial and error um, and that's very different to a performance zone um, when we're there it's a little bit more fight flight freeze type uh, you know we've got to get the best of our out of ourselves and we need to do it now um, so Typically, it might be if you use, I don't know, the, the, the idea of a, a pass in practice versus a, a pass in, 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 a, in a match or in a performance zone is that if, if we want to learn something, we're going to try things that we can't already do. So it might mean uh, we're trying a pass that we can't yet perform. But when we go into a match, we might not, it might not be the best strategy to try and do something that we can't yet do. Um, so typically for me as a coach, if, if I'm trying to create a learning zone, I want my players trying to do things that they can't yet do. However, if I'm in a, in a match, I'm going to be saying to them, look, we're in a match. The objective is to perform at our best. It's ultimately probably to win a game. Um, so we don't want to be necessarily experimenting with things that we can't yet do. Um, however, sometimes what you can see is uh, coaches 
dropping into that kind of uh, we're going to practice how we're going to play, which is absolutely fine. Um, and we don't, if we make mistakes in training, that will somehow translate to our performance. So it, it's, it's helping coaches to understand, well, what are we trying to practice in training? Is it we're trying to perfect a skill um, and we're trying to get better at that? in which case mistakes are absolutely fine. My coaching behavior needs to be accepting those mistakes. It needs to be kind of helping players identify where they might have made that mistake and what they maybe need to do next time. Um, or it's perfectly legitimate as a coach to be practicing um, how you might actually want to set up in a game. So the objective of the session might be to minimize mistakes. But sometimes as coaches, we're not always clear with our players what exactly we want from the session. Is it learning, experimentation, pushing ourselves and stretching? Or are we looking for a kind of faultless performance to get ourselves ready for the match um, the next day? So I think a lot of it with coaches is being clear with our players about what we're trying to achieve and then making sure the environment and our coaching behaviour really matches the objectives that we're trying to achieve with our players. One of the things that I guess that I struggle with on this topic, though, is when I'm an athlete and I'm in a training session, you know, I, I want to be competing in everything. Like, that keeps me engaged. And so one of the things that we've talked about on our podcast before is the competitive cauldron, which also yeah. fits well in with this, an approach for a, a games-based approach to teaching. And if I'm using a games-based approach with, with my team, players naturally are going to try to go mentally i feel like into that performance zone where they're going to be they're playing to win you know and you yeah. tell and you could you could even say hey we're not going to keep score here but we're going to be competing but, but i know myself i know many other athletes there's going to be that competitor that he's keeping score so how yeah. do you how do you balance that as a coach uh so in, I mean, in terms of what we what we talk about um within our coach education frameworks is something called a, a practice continuum so it would be looking at maybe what we call a fixed practice that would be um, quite, uh, quite a dry drill. So it might be just someone throwing a ball up against the wall, very repetitive, very, very little interference with the skill. So if it's actually around we're looking to improve a skill, uh, you know, be it throwing, catching, striking, kicking, passing, whatever it might be, we're going to use quite, quite a lot of fixed practice. But then what we want to do is, once we've ingrained the skill or we've got it working, we've perfected it, is we want to test it a little bit with maybe what we call a more variable practice. So there might be a little bit more decision making. Um, so you've got maybe different types of feed balls coming from different directions. So there's not necessarily that competitive element yet. But what there is, is that um, much you you're having to use the skill uh, in different ways. And then once we've got it, the skill working in that way or whatever specific practice we're doing, we then start to move it to a, a more game-based practice. So we're then, we're not getting the players to think necessarily technically about how they're executing the skill. What we're really trying to do is test the skill under pressure, which is where you do want that competitive element because what we're testing is, can it stand up to the pace and the physicality of uh, the sporting contest or and equally, can it stand up to the psychological demands of being in competition? And if it's the psychological demands that are causing the skill to break down, then we, we might move it a little bit more back to a variable practice, but then incorporate some element of 
pressure, if you like, be it some sort of consequence uh, to help them build it back up again. So that's kind of, if, if we use game-based practice all of the time to develop technique or a small part of a player's game, then we're kind of, yeah, we're going to get drawn into that competitive element and that will end up coming first. One of the uh, interesting values of the growth mindset as well is following performance. So when you're, you're playing your games on Tuesday or Friday or Saturday and not just seeing that as a, a judgment or an outcome, but valuing yeah. the information and the feedback that you get from that. I remember last year with our team, we had a really young team and we kind of had a conversation with them in December about, you know, who do we think we are right now? And one of the, the phrases that came out was, it seems like we're learning in real time that when you yeah. come and watch play in our games, you know, yeah, they're performance based, but we're, we're learning on the floor as you're watching us play. What, yeah. what advice would you give to coaches about trying to develop that with their players, even valuing, you know, their failures in performance as feedback that can help them continue to learn? Um, I suppose one of the things that I've, the conversation I have a little bit with coaches, but teachers as well and, and managers in businesses is thinking a little bit more about something we call feed forward, which is um, trying to keep our commentary into the future. So it's about what we're going to do rather than what we have done. So we're thinking um, typically, or maybe with some slightly less self-aware coaches, what you might see on the side is if you listen to them uh, on the side of a, a pitch or a court, is what they're saying is always related to what's happened in the past. Um, and, and then it can sometimes be interpreted as quite judgmental, whereas actually if we frame that into the future and it's about what we're going to do the next time, we start to create a learning environment because that's something as players or as athletes, we actually have something over control over, whereas the past we can't really do anything about. So trying to make the, the feedback and the information we're providing with players focused on the future and what we want them to do next time. One of the things that I remember in reading one of your articles that you said that really got me thinking around this this idea of mindset um, and just the importance of it is I remember uh, just to quote you, you said in coaching terms, understanding your participants' individual mindsets is an yeah. important first step in helping them fulfill their potential as performers. You know, and so that's more yeah. like just being aware. You said more, you said so you said more specifically identifying if they have a growth mindset or a fixed mindset. Do they believe in their capacity to learn and develop their abilities or do they think their personal qualities are genetic traits that are set in stone so i guess one of my big questions there when i read that was like man how do we assess that mindset with our athletes well i think i mean if i think about how the whole journey with growth mindset started for me it was um you know, for those of you who have read Growth Mindset, what will come across very quickly is the behaviours of the two different mindsets and how and how they contrast. So the first thing that I started to recognise was the behaviours. Now, there's a, there's a strength with that and there's a weakness with it as well, is that the behaviours we associate with the growth mindset could be because they have a growth mindset, but it can be other things as well. So what we're always trying to do is is observe the behavior of our players and, and we start if we know our players well we know how when we go about things in a certain type of way they may or may not respond in the way we want them to so 
part of it is looking very closely at their behavior. So, you know, when they do make a mistake um, and we, and we try to have a conversation with them, are they, are they shutting down? Do they, or do they really listen and pay attention to that? And, and do they come and ask us for things that they can get better? Or do they, do they see training as, as, as an opportunity to show you how good they are just because they, they want to show off in, in some way, shape or form. Um, so in terms of understanding the mindsets of the players, at one level, it can be looking at their behaviour in different, uh, different situations. Um, but then there are uh, things we can do around having conversations with them and, and opening up questions um, around their learning and, and how they how they view training and asking them um, we you know one of the uh, favorite lines I have from a classroom is, is, is going around classrooms and talking to children and asking them you know do they like challenges and, and uh, one one child said to me says said uh, yes I love challenges so I said oh what type of challenges do you like easy ones you know um, and sometimes how we use the word challenge, both in coaching and teaching, can be can be is isn't always as as appropriate as we should do. So typically, we'll find people saying, um, "Right, today's challenge is we're going to do this." Um, what they're actually saying is today's task is this, but whether it's a challenge, you know, it may may be a challenge for you. It may not be. But sometimes children start to substitute the word challenge just for task. Um, so they think a challenge is just a task, where a challenge is actually something that's difficult. So um, asking children around challenge, um, how challenged they are at any one point. Some see being challenged as a bad thing. Um, so we, I think you might, may have seen our challengeometer that we use. And we literally just use that to start conversations with athletes, players, teachers, children around well where do you want to be in this practice session you know what is it you're trying to do how how challenged uh, do you want to be or equally as a reflective tool to get them thinking about well how challenged was i in that session and then was my thinking along the lines of oh god people are watching me i'm making loads of mistakes this is a problem or was it this is a really challenging session i'm making lots of mistakes but i can actually start to see my progress so there's a variety of ways. Um, and then going down to a really simplistic way, we use some continuums, which are just, a, it's a bit like using the, the questions that Carol Dweck asks, but we just put them on a line and actually asking children, well, on a scale of naught to 100, the skills you're trying to learn, do you think they're things that you're either born with a certain amount of, or are they things that you think you can learn and develop? And, and getting children to score those up can be quite revealing as well. I'm curious when you're working with coaches and, and teachers, you know, obviously one of the steps is assessing where, where players are at or students are at, but one of the challenges of, of parenting, let alone coaching and yeah. teaching, is trying to encourage kids to embrace the, the value of challenge, right? And to be able yeah. to separate the, the identity of, of failure or the label of failure from, um, you know, wanting them to to embrace whatever the next step is in their skill development or in their learning development. In what ways do you encourage coaches and teachers to be able to to start to cultivate that kind of mindset with their their students or players? Uh, so we so the challengeometer is one of one of our main tools that we found really helpful for that. 
Um, so typically when we're working in one environment, we'll, we'll do sessions with parents. Um, and we talk a little bit about growth mindset and the research, but then we kind of just do a few fun activities where we get parents to, to, to choose chat, to choose a, an activity and we ask them to reflect on how challenging it was. And then we get them to choose something that they think puts them at an eight, nine or a 10 and get the parents making mistakes. So they get to remember what it is and how it feels to make mistakes. Um, but also so they can then have the conversations with, with, with their children when they get home um, or when they're in the car traveling back around, you know, so they can say, well, actually, you know, I had a really challenging day today and I was at an eight or a nine on the challengeometer, but this is what I did about it. Um, and making it okay to kind of say I had a tough day or this was a tough session. Um, but equally, that use of the challengeometer is a reflection tool. So getting people to think about how hard something is or, um, or maybe how easy it was. Um, but equally then as a way of, I mean, I got to the point where, with my coaching when I kind of finished um, as a performance coach with, with cricket of actually differentiating through levels of challenge. So all of my players, they had their profiles, they knew their things they were working on. So I said, right, for the next 40 minutes, we're doing something that puts us at an eight, nine or a 10 on the challengeometer. So what that creates is a culture where everyone's making mistakes and us, us as a team, uh, coaches, we're saying, well, you know, it's our job to facilitate everyone being challenged. Okay, so there's no one person in the corner that's finding it difficult and everyone's finding it easy. Everyone is self-selecting tasks that puts them at an eight, nine or a 10. And then we say, right, okay, we've done 30, 40 minutes of that. You've worked really hard, whatever it might be. Um, we're going to take a break. And we're now going to go to something where we're trying to consolidate that skill. So you might be at a one, two, three or a four. So they could be doing very different skills or parts of the game. But actually, everyone's challenged or everyone's consolidating a skill. Whereas typically, if as a coach, I walk in to a group of players and say, right, today we're doing this. Some of the group are going to find it easy. Some are going to find it difficult. Um, and then the differentiation within that is, is a lot more challenging. So one area I've struggled in as a coach is the importance of semantics, right? We, we, we want to be a positive coach. We want to be upbeat. And so when a player does well, uh, we want to praise them for it. We want to even you know, celebrate that moment with them. Uh, but what the research so says is that it's very important how we do that. And so I like to remind myself as a coach and even as a parent that we need to celebrate achievement, praise the effort, right? Celebrate the achievement, but praise the effort. And I found that to be an effective reminder when it comes to communicating and nurturing that growth mindset. What are some other strategies you have for coaches that struggle with this? Yeah, I mean, I think back to when I first read the book, I could almost see my players as they walked towards them going, here he comes, he's about to tell me I've tried hard again. <laughs> you know, So, but you think, well, okay, right, there's, there's got to be more to it. Um, and, and equally, you know, the conversations I've had with people in businesses, you know, they want to pop open the champagne, they've done a great deal, or they've pulled off a project. And I suppose where, where, where we got to is, is sort of saying, look, it's fine to celebrate achievement and have a great, you know, party, do whatever you want at, at the end of it. But it's kind of, once you're doing the kind of toasts, it's that opportunity to say, look, you know, JP, 
the reason we've done one of the reasons we've done that you know that night where it all went belly up and we had all those sorts of problems and you stayed late till 11 o'clock at night and helped me sort it all out you know and Nate you remember that time then when this broke and you managed to get this person to come and do this and we got it back and running and it's it's getting into the behaviors and the process that people have exhibited that have allowed them or you as a team to achieve that level of performance that then you want to kind of delve into a little bit more because that really as a coach, I think, or as a manager or, as, or in whatever leadership position you're in, communicates what we really value. Is it actually, you know, JP, God, that, you, that was effortless. You did that with your eyes closed. You're the most naturally talented player I've ever seen in my life. You should be up, you know, playing for, for the US. Um, I don't know what you're doing here. Or is it actually, crikey, you guys, you know, you just, you've done everything any coach could ask of you, you know, and you pull out all those behaviours, which, which I think are far more powerful and develop a much stronger team ethos than just this person-based praise. I think another thing that we've tried to really celebrate with our players is just the idea of courage. Like it's hard to embrace yeah. something that's really challenging, and just the fact you know that you're going to walk into the arena willingly and take on an opponent or take on a, a skill or a task in, in practice that you know is going to be difficult. And even if you don't, you know, get the outcome that you want, that we yeah. stop celebrate. We, we cared enough to try so many teams yeah, say, man, we're not going after that. That's too hard. But for us to embrace it and say, no, we have the courage to chase it and say it matters to us. Even if we don't get there, um, I think is just another way of sort of being process oriented yeah. and, and trying to draw that out of your players. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and again, linking it to the learning and performance zone, much more likely to create a learning zone because actually what you're celebrating again is the process of learning. So absolutely. And I kind of, I think always think when you sit down with coaches and, and you start talking through it and, and, and you guys will have as, as much experience of, as me is everyone, you pull out these absolute gems or little golden nuggets of ideas or practices that everyone has and, 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 in some way, it's helping coaches to unearth that great practice that they've already got. Yeah, I think what's so great about what you, you're, you're talking about there, Jeremy, and also Nate just kind of mentioned there, is that you're helping them to frame the story. And I think so often in society, when people have that success or they have that failure, they're just focusing. And the story that we tell ourselves is is, is often very, you know, when in, in failure, very, very negative. Um, you know, I shouldn't have even bothered. When we succeed, it's like, oh, it just magically happened. But you come back to what were the moments that we struggled and really yeah. emphasizing uh, the, the courage in those moments to be able to push through that. And I think that's just so powerful on how we frame the story of, of our successes or even our failures. That's just kind of what, you, what you're suggesting there. And it's, it's just a great, great thing. You, um, you've given us some pretty good suggestions, but I think for coaches that are more interested in the stuff that you've kind of thrown out here today, you actually have a growth mindset coaching kit like a book that people can buy or could you tell us a little about that and where people might be able to get that or some of your other resources uh yeah so um we we wrote a book i never thought i'd ever be the person that would write a book but we did um essentially what we've done is taken a lot of the materials we use in our training and put it into um put it into a format in the shape of a book that just allows people to drift through a place where they they start to understand a little bit about themselves. So it's very much like a practical workbook. 
Um, but they get to get a sense of what they think about different things first. Uh, and then we introduce them to what growth mindset is and give them the opportunity to reflect on what they actually thought before they, before they knew what growth mindset was. And then really to start helping them think about what it means for their coaching. Um, and there are some links to videos and different exercises and activities that they can do um, uh, with their players and with other coaches as well. Um, and it's really just to start that. It's a, it's a tool to really help start the conversation around growth mindset and, and move people from an idea of here's a set of behaviours I really like. I'm going to tell all my players to have a growth mindset and they, that's what they've got to do. Um, to actually start thinking, well, at a deeper level, what does it mean for me as a coach? You know, how does this actually impact on my philosophy of coaching, the decisions I make on a day-to-day -day basis, how I view my players? Um, and if I ask my players, um, uh, you know, in six months' time, well, Jeremy's, Jeremy's been doing a lot of work on growth mindset. Well, what is it that they're going to see differently about my coaching um, that tells me that I understand that rather than sometimes where it's misunderstood it sometimes becomes about the players exhibiting these alternative behaviors whereas i think for us as coaches i think it very much starts with us now that's it for our conversation with jeremy next week we're actually going to be coming back to that discussion around the importance of modeling a growth mindset to our players and the impact that it can have on them and, and nate and i are going to go a little bit deeper into that but we want to leave you with a few more ways to help develop a growth mindset within your players. And, and Nate, I know you've got a few unique ways that you've done that uh, with your team in the past. Yeah, JP, one of the things that we've been experimenting with over the last six months or so is creating opportunities for some of our older players to be able to share their stories of struggle. And we sort of build on this premise that everybody is going to go through something at some point in their basketball career. You know, I think a lot of times we look at our varsity starters or our leading scorers or our all-conference players and we think, oh, they've got it all figured out and they've always had it all put together. But the reality is they've all gone through something that has helped shape who they are today, both as a person and as a player. And just to give you an example of one of the stories that, that was told last year during our summer camp, we have one of our varsity captains who, as a sophomore, started at the varsity level for about two-thirds of the year. This past year, she was a junior, and she was kind of in that 5-6 battle to be maybe a starter, maybe the first person off the bench at the beginning of the year. But by the end of the year, really more because of the improvement of some of her teammates and not really because of anything that she did, she got passed in the rotation a couple of times and saw her minutes really dwindle down as the year went on. And we got to this point in January where you could really tell that this was, was bothering her, and rightfully so. And so we scheduled a one-on-one, -on -one and we sat down in my office. And you know, this is the other thing I would really encourage coaches is that you've got to be able to find a way to walk with your players and help them to develop this mindset oftentimes in real time, because it, this is not natural for kids. It's not even natural for us. And so as I was going through this conversation, in a lot of ways, it wasn't like, you know, if you just do X, Y, and Z, you'll have a chance to play. It was really about if this is your reality, if this is the way it's going to be for the rest of the year, how can you continue to add value to the team for us? But how can you grow through this? You know, I came back again to that Joshua Medcalf quote and used it with the player of what if we approach this with this circumstance, even though it sucks and even though it's not where you want to be, 
is for your benefit? In what ways can you grow as a person? How is this happening for you and rather than happening to you? And really trying to just prod her thinking with some questions about how she could grow in the midst of this circumstance. And the amazing thing about this, when she told her story over the summer, was that she talked about that low and how hard it was and what it felt like. And she also talked about the turning point. And the turning point was when she said, you know, I realized that even though I wasn't on the floor doing as much as I wanted to be doing, my role as a captain, I still had the ability to make other people better. And I had to learn how to do that more effectively. And so she really invested the last third of her year in, in embracing this idea of how can I lead better even if I'm not on the court? And so after she got done with her story, I kind of stood up and I talked a little bit about her and I at all of our varsity kids in the gym, right? And I said, how many of you last year at some point or another had a conversation with Jay that changed the outcome of your season? And every single player on our varsity team raised their hand. What Jay had figured out is how that she could lead better in those interpersonal relationships with her teammates and just fully invested in growing in that area. And every single person was affected by that, by her embracing the opportunity for growth rather than being stuck in her struggle. Yeah. And what I love about that story, Nate, is that it's not just how you walked with that player through the struggle, but how you then took that and kind of repurposed it to help impact and develop a growth mindset. And the rest of the players on your team, you know, just, and this is what Carol Dweck talks about is one of the most effective ways for developing a growth mindset and students and, and people is sharing stories of people overcoming great struggle. It brings me back to a few years ago when I was coaching and our team went through really, really a tough year, uh, much like the year that you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast. And and we had gone through one of our, our toughest years when it came, comes to losses, but we had stuck together through it all. We had, we had supported each other through the struggle. But we finished the year off with this incredible win streak. We won back-to-back conference championships. And I knew that many parents, people in the community, even some of our players would forget about the moments that were really, really challenging. So we took a camera, we put them in a room and we asked them in just a few questions around, well, what were the moments that when you think back in the season that, that most were most impactful for you? And you know, how were we able to make this turnaround? Because you know, it wasn't just a few tactical changes. It was just growing every day through the struggle, supporting each other. And that's what they articulated. And they articulated so well, we took those interviews and we put them in our team highlight video at the end of the season. And we shared those stories, not just with each other, but we shared them with parents. And it it was honestly probably one of the best things I've ever done as a coach when it comes to being able to impact the parents. Because it wasn't just like, here's the importance of teaching your kid about growth mindset. We literally put it on display, how their kids had it, how it impacted the season. And the, the feedback from parents was, was incredible. So you know, we're talking about building growth mindsets in our, in our players, looking for opportunities to share the stories. It's an incredible, incredible way. Now I'm looking forward to our conversation next week where we're going to be diving into how we can model a growth mindset as a coach. Thanks again to Jeremy Firth for coming on the podcast. His information, if you'd like to reach out to him, is in the episode details of this podcast. Also, if you're new to the Coaching Culture Podcast, go to thriveonchallenge.com, subscribe for free tools, and every week we will send you the Coaching Notes PDF, as well as some other valuable resources to help you build your team's culture.